Welcome back, lords, ladies, and lovelies, to Black Girl Tea Party. I'm Aaliyah Dorsey. And I'm Yasmeen Hill. First things first, let's get right into the brew. Aaliyah, what's brewing for you out there in the world? So, in an update in the killing of Breonna Taylor, only one officer was indicted and fired. In fact, he wasn't even fired for her death, but rather for endangering her neighbors by shooting into her home. I could go on for days about how much this angers, disappoints, and in general upsets me, but I won't do that. Instead, I'd like to give a moment of silence both for her and for everyone who has died as a result of violence and a disregard for human life at the end of this segment. I send my thoughts to Brianna's family and loved ones, and may she rest in power. So yes, Mean, what is brewing out there in the world for you? I don't want to speak on it much further, but my brew this week goes out to the protesters in Louisville. My heart is with everyone that is hurting, everyone that has lost someone to the hands of police and has not received proper acknowledgement or justice. Uh, My heart is with young black kids and teens dealing with extraordinary levels of trauma. And to them I say, take care of yourself and be gentle with yourself. It was Audre Lorde who said, caring for myself is not self-indulgence, it is self-preservation, and that is an act of political warfare. So take care of yourself, be mindful, and love yourself in the most radical way possible. It's the greatest power that we have. And with that, a moment of silence for all of our lost siblings. And now, it's time for tea. This week, we'll be talking about colorism. I talked with Dr. Ansley Booker, who is the head of Mercer University's Office of Diversity and Inclusion, about what colorism is and how it has an impact on our culture. Here's the interview. So, first and first, could you explain to me what colorism is? So, um, colorism is discrimination based on skin color, also known as, you know, they could say it's also shadism. Um, But again, it's a form of prejudice or discrimination in which people who are usually members of the same race are treated differently because of social implications with some of those being cultural meanings that are attached to skin color. Um, Usually with colorism, there is a preference for a lighter skin. And again, it can be seen in all different um, racial and ethnic groups of people of color, from African-American to Hispanic or Latinx to even Asian um, individuals. Okay, so what are the, what are kind of the long-ranging effects of colorism on someone's life? Um, Again, I think with colorism, there's this, um, assimilation or this aspect of assimilation that, you know, we're looking at this European um, standard of beauty in terms of facial structure, in terms of um, hair texture, and even skin color. Um, what you'll see sometimes even from my particular standpoint with this diversity and inclusion is there's a there's, there's this bias, right? Um, usually that bias can um, show itself within jobs, job promotions, um, on, you know, with that, again, that preference being for the lighter skin candidate, um, opportunities. Um, that are afforded to people of lighter skin sometimes maybe um, may even be seen. Um, you see that a lot. We talk about Hollywood is now really talking about it and Bollywood um, talking about how their preference for casting lighter skin 
um, individuals as actors and actresses in different movies, um, and especially, you know, not really casting those of darker skin complexion. Um, another impact would really be the multi-billion dollar bleaching cream industry, where people have really been conditioned to believe that if you're lighter skin, you're more intelligent, you're more articulate, you're more worthy, there's more value um, that's being assessed to you because of your skin color, and therefore you see people going to extreme measures. Um, one of the most extreme examples I can think of is like Sammy Sosa, a baseball player who's Dominican now. He was um, darker skin and he's bleaching clean and has really lightened his skin color, you know, again, so you can see the physiological, you know, the mental impact, you know, of constantly being, you know, degraded or put down because you're darker skin and the links that people will actually go go through um, to get lighter skin, you know, even, you know, buying creams that will literally damage your skin, but you're trying to achieve this lighter complexion because, again, you feel that you may be valued more or even accepted more, even included more in society and not ostracized or discriminated against. Um, a lot of times you'll hear people uh, make these kind of like these microaggressions or these comments like, oh, you're so pretty for a dark-skinned girl or, you know, you're so handsome to be a dark-skinned guy. You know, I think um, Tyrese recently talked about his experience with that, being a darker-skinned guy growing up, never feeling handsome or feeling attractive because he wasn't light-skinned um, or wasn't perceived to be as handsome because of that. Um, you will see comments like you're so articulate and you're so intelligent for a black person or a person of color. A lot of times you'll hear people talk about light skin privilege. Um, and, you know, again, that's going back to that bias with the promotions and the opportunities. Um, you see it in the controversy um, with, like, movies like Black Panther and how they were going to cast individuals based, you know, and the controversy of not casting certain individuals because of skin tone. Um, you saw it also with this Zora Neale Hurston movie and the story about casting of certain lighter skin actresses and putting makeup to make them appear darker so they could be in the film. Or, And, again, uh, more recently you saw remarks by, like, 50 Cent when he talks about, you know, he's looking for a more exotic preference for dater lighter-skinned women. Um, recently I saw this um, dialogue on Good Morning America where it was just probably maybe a couple months ago that talked about um, statistics from the Journal of Economics and Race, and they found that there were disparities even in hourly wages for African Americans based upon skin tone. So basically, if you were darker skinned, you on average made about eleven dollars and seventy two cents an hour. If you were brown skinned, you got thirteen point twenty three. If you're lighter skinned, you got fourteen point seventy two. So as you can see, even the data supports this narrative. If you're lighter skinned, there's more opportunities that you could potentially make even more money. Um, there was even another journal article on that same show that talked about social currents, the journal on social currents, and it talks about how employees even view it, lighter-skinned employees as more intelligent, more articulate, more astute, and therefore they were appraised more, considered more valuable, included even more in conversations. Um, and the last thing, I guess, were the darker aspect of it or someone that, you know, was treated differently because of their darker skin. I don't know if you remember the viral video of the young girl who was getting her locks retwisted, and I think she's like four or five years old, and she starts to cry because she talks about, oh, I'm so ugly, and she talks about she's so ugly because she's so dark-skinned, you know, and I think it's really important that we have these conversations at an early age because we can see the mental and the psychological and the physiological strengths and stresses that individuals go through, and it's literally because we're being treated differently because of the color of our skin, whether it's lighter, darker, or even in between, somewhere in between. Yeah, I I did I did, I did see that video and it absolutely broke my heart. You know, um, also I guess I want to talk about again like 
So how did we, how did we like get here kind of with like there being like real deep effects having a, being the darker skinned person? Um, I think, well, let's talk about it. This is an issue that is experienced all over the world, not even just in America, just like racism is a pandemic all over the world. And I think even for America, a lot of our issues are rooted even in the conception of race and the identity um, that was ascribed to people of color, starting with the word, you know, Negro or Negro being referenced as a um, being referenced as black, and then that being related to intelligence and stupidity. And so what you see here, even with enslaved individuals, you see this even being started as, you know, with the concept even of American slavery, you know, and talked about how colorism was rooted in that proximity to whiteness. You know, if you are allowed to, you know, if you're lighter skinned, you got more privileges, more opportunities, you were able to work in the house. Um, if you weren't, you were considered to be your enslaved person. You worked in, like, the fields, more manual, more hard labor. And then, again, you see that even saw sometimes would be people were dehumanized if they were of darker skin. And then you see even after the repercussions of slavery and racism and discrimination as we kind of move forward more to, like, this age, you see sometimes that being, you know, even seen in discrimination bias, like with expulsions, um, with if you're, with darker-skinned students being disproportionately suspended from school, darker-skinned people being pulled over more often, being treated, being followed around, being more being criminalized more, um, because we're feeding into those 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 stereotypes that bias about race and that skin tone. And um, Dr. Um, Drew Dudra um, does a really good comment about the mistreatment even within our own community, even our own family, because we have basically allowed these ideals and these beliefs about our identity and our culture to really even impact how we even treat our own family members. So I think it's, you know, this this system has been going on for a long period of time, and I think it really can even trace its roots back to, you know, in America, back to slavery and in other cultures and other countries, you know, with um, um, being colonies sometimes of European um, other countries and bringing those types of European standards of beauty and lighter skin approximately, you know, to whiteness, even colonizing some like some um, like in India, you know, and things of that nature. And you see things like um, caste systems where if you're darker, you're allowed certain jobs and certain allowed to marry certain individuals because of that. So again, um. I think a lot of it comes along with um, colonization, and you know, particularly by these by European countries and using those standards to kind of gauge and rate different members of our society, particularly those people of color that may have been enslaved or colonized. Yeah, yeah, that all of oof, <laughs> like hearing it aloud makes me realize that like this is a very like complicated history and the way that like mm-hmm. I think. A racism is, like, seeped into our, like, everyday life in that way, you know? Mm-hmm. Kind of, like, blows my mind a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah, it does. I, you know, in reference for this for this topic, you know, I was just looking at different articles and even different books and movies that have, you know, really kind of tackled this issue. You know, Oprah did a whole series on black women on the conversation where they talked about colorism and how it's still in the pack. Iyanla Van Zandt did a whole, like, um, 
panel discussion with women celebrities that talked about it. Um, Good Morning America just talked about people of color and the impact of colorism like two months ago. Beyonce did a whole project, you know, on a song called Brown Skin Girl, you know, and we talked about, you know, that heritage with being Creole and being mixed race and mixed descent, even the quadroom balls, you know, those women being preferenced by, you know, um, by other members of society and, you know, put on a pedestal because they were lighter skin, fairer skin, nicer hair, lighter eyes, you know. So, again, you know, and then, again, you also have issues sometimes with um, people that are, like, white passing or white adjacent, you know, having more privilege than others, you know, and being treated differently. Yeah, yeah. Which is my next question. So, like, um, have you, like, in your experiences, experienced colorism, but, and like, and if so, like, how has that affected you and in the way that you are, like, moving through the world? Um. Me personally, um, and I wouldn't consider myself to be light skin. I guess medium light, medium light to brown. Um, but just giving some context, my mom's brown skin. My dad was um, light skin. The nickname was Red because he literally had like red, reddish blonde hair and freckles, and was lighter skin. You know, and which is you know a, a rarity in the African American community. Um, and so again, my experiences were. Um, you know, just hearing people call my dad red, you know, no one ever talk, called my mom a name because she was brown skin, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah. just kind of hearing people in front of my dad is red, oh, you red's daughter, you red's daughter, you know, because, and I knew that because he was lighter skin and had the red hair, you know. Um, but again, I guess when I was younger, probably elementary school, early middle school, um, having to go through a, a couple years or a couple times of instances of bullying, and like I said, not because I was extremely light brown, but because I was lighter than the students that were bullying me, if that makes sense, right? And I did yeah. have the more, more the longer hair at the time. Um, and so, again, I had issues with, like, texturism. Oh, you you think you're better than us? Well, the statement, so you think you're better than everyone because you smart or you light skin or you pretty, your hair long. And I was like, no, 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 no. You know, maybe you have internalized that because of what society and your family has told you, but I never stated those words. You know what I mean? But, again, even yeah. as children, like I said, elementary and middle school, maybe I was, maybe I didn't notice it, but maybe my teachers did favor me, and they wouldn't say it's because you're this or you're, you know what I mean, and you're that. But, you know, people can see when people are being treated differently, you know, if that makes sense. And sometimes that, I think, kind of was part of that variable mixed as to why the bullying um, occurred. Um Adult experiences, just when vacationing, you know, when you're a person of color, particularly African-American woman, I know me and my friends on vacation, we always look to see, like, hey, if we go into this country, how many black people or people of color or African descent or African diaspora are there so that we can see, like, will we be safe? You know what I mean? And so one yeah. particular incident with that, um, we went to Cuba. Um, uh, you know, because of my skin tone or my complexion, a lot of people thought I was Cuban, so that was a positive, I guess, experience, but, you know, even trying to make sure I didn't portray or take on the identity of someone I was not, you know what I mean, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But I could see how, like, on the street, like, cause let's go back, even with all these experiences I'm going to tell you about now, I was with African-American women, but we were all different, like, complexions, right, or different shades. Yeah. So there was somebody extremely light-skinned, then I was kind of light, medium brown, somebody medium in the middle, and then someone kind of a darker complexion, right? And so all these experiences that I'm talking about, I had a more favorable time or like even if they would talk to me or engage with me in service and restaurants and stores, 
you know what I mean, versus my friends that were medium brown or dark skin, they did not favor them as much. And then once they found out we was American, that was a whole different level to the conversation, if that makes sense, right? Yeah. So that happened. Uh, the most drastic experience, I think, happened in the Dominican Republic because, you know, they have a big issue with Haiti and the Dominican Republic and how, you know, with jobs and how people are treated and violence that has broken out against people of Haitian descent, you know what I mean? And so when we were in the yeah. Dominican Republic, I know I was lighter skinned, so uh, my friend who's darker, um, we actually went in a restaurant, and the waiter would literally only talk to me. Didn't even acknowledge that my friend who was darker skinned and looked more Haitian was, you know, even though we were American, you know what I mean, African American, if that makes sense. And so yeah. I had, like, literally placed her order because they wouldn't even service them. And we were on the resort, so it's not like there were we could boycott and do other food options. Because, again, that was the culture of the, the country that we were in, you know what I mean? Um, same thing, I had, like, a texturism issue in Greece. When we were in Greece, I had my afro out, which is curly or what have you, and just random strangers, like, boinging my curls, you know, because he said he had never seen someone with hair like mine, you know. So those were just kind of like my adult experiences, kind of with colorism and texturism, you know. Yeah. And then the experiences with my friends, we did have to, like, we talked about it afterwards, and they were like, you know what, this even happens in America, so I'm not surprised when it happens in other countries outside of America where people of color live and exist, you know. Yeah, yeah, no. In, in an earlier episode, I, like, talked about how um, a, a girl in high school, like, ran her fingers through my braids when I was in class, just, like, randomly, and how mm-hmm. like, that was just a really, like, it was a really, it's kind of like an invasive experience, you know? Yeah. So I definitely, mm-hmm. I feel that. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so I guess moving on to, like, kind of my, uh, I call it, like, advice section of my question. So what advice would you give to someone who is experiencing discrimination based on their darker skin? Like, what like what do you do about that? Um, I'm always a proponent of advocacy and trying to stop the stigma, you know, doing anything that you can do to support anti-colorism in groups and people of color and identity. I'm always about celebrating um, and empowering people of color, all colors, all racial identities, ethnicities. Um, A lot of times I saw one thing they were doing um, called the Hopewell Project, where they encouraged people to embrace their culture and identity. Um, and again, they really advocated for celebrating color, celebrating differences, and making sure that there was always diverse representation of skin color in all society of aspects of movies, television, books, beauty standards. And again, you have to reshape the narrative. You know, I love when I see like models like Ducky Thought um, that celebrate, you know, their darkest skin, their beauty, you know making sure that we empower and uplift each other. You know, we don't have to perpetuate this system, you know. So if you see someone talking about, oh, I only prefer, like, dark-skinned girls or dark-skinned men or light-skinned girls, light-skinned men, you know, like, yes, that's your personal preference, but make sure you don't treat individuals differently because of that preference. You know what I mean? Like, call things out, making people have accountability, um, making sure that you're mentoring other young women or men or whoever that may be or, um, and talking to them, making sure that you encourage visual representation. Um, for me, I'm trying to write um, a children's book where we kind of celebrate color and differences and encourage diverse visual representation um, that way oh, so and cute. celebrate and celebrate each other. You know what I mean? Because, again, you see it as early as elementary school and middle school, even going back to the 
um, the the doll test, the you know the doll test that kind of helped talked about segregation and um, Brown versus Board of Education because even with the children as early as you know they're still kind of assigning intelligence and value based upon school you know skin tone. So it's going back you know as early as that. Yeah, yeah. My my, my nephew's a little brown boy, and I really try my best to find books for him that like have other brown skin boys that look like him. Mm-hmm. That's so important. That's so important. So I guess that's my, it, it, it to my next question. So, like, what do you love most about being a brown-skinned person? Um, you know me. I'm pro. You know, pro melanin. I love it. I believe we're all melanin gods and goddesses. You know, our skin absorbs the sun. We're beautiful, intelligent, and worthy. You know, and I think that's really important to remember to keep in the forefront of your mind especially sometimes when you have a society that does not embrace your brown skin. You know what I mean? And so for me, I'm always trying to research more about my culture, my heritage, my ethnicity, and trying to use that as a stepping stone for my life, you know, so that I can um, empower other individuals because I've now celebrated myself. Yeah. Oh, my God, that's so good. That's so good. Um, My last question is, what would you say to someone who is having trouble loving the skin that they're in right now? Um, I think that, you know, if there is an environment that is not helping that is not helping to shape you and mold you and support you for loving the skin you're in, try as best you can to remove yourself from that environment. I think a lot of times in our communities, our friends, people in our social circles can really contribute to this negative self image of um, our sales. And so, again, you can't necessarily always control the larger picture that you see in our, you know, global society, but you can control the small world around you. So if you see someone's not celebrating you, not uplifting you, not empowering you, then you need to remove them from your circle, right? You need people that are going to be champions of yourself. So, again, that if you are having trouble loving the skin that you're in, you know, I'll just say always to do positive affirmations, embrace who you are, Um Embrace who you're becoming. Embrace even celebrate your past because we're all on this this journey about self love and self care, um, and self identity. Um, and again, you're going to go through stages where things may you know be of concern and things you want to celebrate. But again, just making sure that you're kind of really focusing on the positive. And there's nothing more beautiful than the skin that you have because that that makes you unique. That makes you who you are. Um, and if again, if those physical traumas or those um, you know, those you know, those days where you're not feeling so great, if it's becoming too overwhelming, I always tell people to seek therapy and counseling because, again, there's nothing wrong with taking care of yourself mentally, physically, and emotionally and spiritually and just looking for ways to, you know, cope, rebuild, release, and then, um, you know, just continuing to be yourself and celebrate yourself and the journey that you're on. That was immaculate. Thank you so much for that. Um, You're welcome. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to add or think that I should be including in the show or any other message you have for our listeners? Um, I think that um, that was it. You know, do research. There's many books and movies like The Vanishing Half, Imitation of Life. YouTube has a movie about dark called Dark Girls. You know, there's um, Lupita Nyong'o um, wrote a book about her experiences with colorism. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm going to pronounce it wrong. I think it's um, Soleil, Soleil, 
I, I, I say that I'm probably sure I'm saying that wrong. But um, again, just looking for opportunities to educate yourself. You're looking for ways to empower other people. Um, and again, if you're in a, a space or an opportunity where you can highlight um, highlight people of diverse colors and backgrounds, making sure you do that. You know, be an advocate, be an ally, be an accomplice, be a co-conspirator. Because again, I think if we all keep pushing the narrative and sharing positive images and embracing self-care and self-identity, I think um, we'll be in a good place. And after a great interview, that's a wrap for our episode this week. Aaliyah, where can our listeners find you? I am at It's Aaliyah Dorsey on Twitter and Instagram. Yasmeen, where can our listeners find you? I'm at Yasmeen underscore SA. And as always, please follow us at Black Girl Tea Party on Instagram and search Black Girl Tea Party on Twitter to stay up to date with episodes. Also, please subscribe to our show and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify so that new people can find our show. You can also send us an email at blackgirlteaparty at gmail.com. Send us questions, ask for advice, or just tell us how much you love the show. We'd love to hear from you. Once again, thanks for listening. Remember to love often and with all your heart. We'll see you next week.